Welcome to another episode of Fight the Burnout. Today, I am honored to have a couple special guests. We have two people on the podcast today, which is going to be great. Uh, they are from King County. Uh, used to work up there and now run a very amazing um, business. They founded a very amazing business, which they'll tell us about and I'll talk about it in a second. As always, I say take one thing away from this episode. We are here to help you prevent burnout, prevent yourself from going through PTSD through other people's experiences and learnings. Uh, and we are sponsored by Create From Why. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching the video, my business, which we help you live from your why and purpose. We are running a motorcycle retreat here in May, which we'd love for you to come join us if you love riding. Uh, and it's full VIP through the Southwest of the US learning how to prevent burnout and overcome it uh, from the back of a motorcycle. So links for that are down below. Without further ado though, we have Jeff and Sean from First Responders Conference. They founded it and will tell us all about that later in the episode, but they were both police officers for a very long time in King County. So without further ado, I will let them introduce themselves and uh, I look forward to seeing what you guys have to say. Thank you. Thanks for having us on your podcast. We appreciate it. And thanks for all that you do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Everybody says that. And I always feel weird when people say, I'm like, I'm just, I know. I'm just having fun. <laughs> we're, the, we're the same way. It's just like, uh, you know, you're like, oh yeah, you know, you, the, the recognition is nice, but sometimes it's just kind of awkward, right? Yeah, it feels awkward. You're like, well, what am I supposed to say now? It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it, people used to say it when I was a cop, when I come back to the States, especially they'd be like, oh, thanks for your service. I'm like, I'm just doing a job. I'm just having fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, tell, tell us yeah. a little bit about yourselves and your experience with the police and what you guys kind of where you where you worked in that and um and just like where you ended up is probably the big one as well i think i'm gonna let jeff go first because i tend to go first and then i talk 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 and then people tell me to shut up so um i'll let you introduce yourself i don't think so but uh, <laughs> i don't think so either <laughs> hey, jeff thomas uh, I worked for the King County Sheriff's Office for 32 years. I uh, retired in June of July 1st, I guess, of 2020. Um, had a pretty ordinary police career, I guess. Um, probably duplicated by many people, but I worked patrol and then I was on a SWAT team for almost 18 plus years. And uh, surprisingly, ended up back in patrol. Um kind of as a trainer, I guess, when I finally decided to give it up. Mm. So that's it succinctly. Man of many words. <laughs> uh, Sean, tell us a little about your career. So um, I was hired in 97. Um, I retired last year, last April of 2022 after 25 years um i when i started i did like everyone else patrol um and then i went to metro street crimes worked undercover on the buses for a while uh, i think i was in the deadbeat dad deadbeat mom unit as well as warrants um i had explosive detection canine that I worked for seven years. Uh, and then when I left, I was in the wellness unit and had a therapy dog that I was training. I have a question. Did you guys know each other before the place or meet while you were in the place? <laughs> That's always a funny story. I had a buddy that was dating her way back when I was in the police. I was working. She was not. She was working for another company. Alaska Airlines. She, Alaska Airlines. I was going to promote them, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she uh fulfilled her lifelong dream of becoming a police officer uh and then after that we crossed paths and after i told myself i would never date a police officer i end up marrying one is that crazy there you go and it looks it, it sounds like because i know a little bit about you guys' story it sounds like it was a it was a good thing as well uh not so did you guys cross that i have a, i'm just curious on this one right now did you guys cross paths much when you were had the bomb detection dog sean and jeff you were in swat no way before that well, yeah so you, but did your path like did you actually like end up working together and stuff with that or was it always different it never kind of you guys never 
came together. We had little, during little that. fringe uh, overlaps here and there. Uh, Warrants. Our department doesn't really likes to dissuade couples from working together, but uh, we couldn't really help it on a couple of things. If we, um, you know, if the SWAT was doing something that involved explosives, obviously after the fact, a lot of times they'd come in and sniff around and take care of business. So, so I, I we didn't we weren't ever side by side during any operations. Let's put it that way. Well, warrants we we worked a little bit together in warrants. Um, how'd you guys how'd you guys before we jump into like you guys real story because i know there's a really good one there jeff and i i want to expand a lot on that uh did you how'd you guys find that dynamic because i know there's a lot of officers out there that this can cause stuff even especially in small uh departments the word like when you were working together especially the like because i know departments try not to work you guys together because of that because of you know the worry of people you know worrying about your spouse and that and being distracted did you guys find that when you were those few times when you were working warrants or anything together well i didn't worry about him i don't know if he worried about me <laughs> i know the guys normally worry about the, the, the spouse. I, I saved your life several times um, you know. <laughs> Jump, jumped on the grenade was, a couple times <laughs> I, I had a couple of years uh more experience than she did so that there was a couple of times when i first met her where i was like do this and don't do that and yeah. and uh keep yourself alive by doing this and so how'd that go down that was like before we started dating actually. yeah when we first yeah oh, early yeah. in my career for, did, mm -hmm. did, did you did you continue doing that once you guys were together no, I completely shut up after we started dating. So. <laughs> I, I only talk when I'm told to. So. Yeah, smart man, smart man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's dive into because I know, Jeff, you've got an amazing story. And Sean, uh, yours along the side of it, like together is amazing. And that's why I, especially I wanted to have you guys on uh, together. Uh, Jeff, are you open to talking about your story about, you know, the, the burnout, the PTSD, where you ended up towards the end and and that sure absolutely i'm not really sure if i can label all that stuff uh, as you know saying that i had afflictions with all that but yeah absolutely i'm wide open no perfect man well why don't you tell us a little bit about like what you went through and and your your story as such uh and then we'll we'll go from there because i know like you said labeling things and that i was never officially diagnosed or labeled with ptsd but after talking with lots of people i was like and then even the counselor was like, you probably have it, but we're not going to like, we won't dive into all of it, but you're definitely burned out because you're drained. You're, you know, your mind's empty, your memory loss, all these different things. Uh, so yeah, I can totally relate to that one, Jeff of, I don't know if I have it, but do it. And yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'll, I mean, I'm not going to bore you with the details from the beginning or whatever, but uh, um, I, I, I don't, I, I, I would assume that, and I've heard from lots of people that we probably all have PTSD in some sort of fashion. Um, but I, that's, I never really dwelled on it or, or, you know, uh, dwelled on it, I guess, or whatever. Uh, you know, I was always kind of a move forward ahead. Although my big, I saw some of your questions and, uh, and resentment has always been sort of my, uh, an issue with me. You know, I, I'm a loyal honest hardworking guy and when that gets done wrong by somebody it's hard for me to let it go so that kind of equates to me my career I guess whereas I didn't ever have any issues working in law enforcement enforcing the law suspects bad guys that was all I ate that up uh, that was the reason I stayed you know uh, where, where I had my problems was with, with command staff and institutional, you know, now whether or not I got burned out, I don't know. I'm sure at times, you know, when you're doing a job that you tire of, or you've had enough of, you know, your fill of being kicked around in it. I mean, I don't know. You can call that burnout. You can call it, I retired in disgust. I didn't retire in burnout. Yeah. So when I hit the wall and said, you know what, I can't stand being here another minute. It wasn't because really of burnout. Although, you know, I, I was like into my 10th year of being back in patrol and doing pretty much the same thing in a very busy city, going from call to call to call to call to call to call. And, uh, but I, I, burnout was never something that I articulated 
for quitting. I, I probably was, you know, yeah. I probably was. I, I, you know, the, the day I, my last day at work, I was sitting in my patrol car and I thought to myself, I can't stand being here another minute. You know, it was one of those sort of deals. That's, that's burnout. Once you're over yeah. it, it's a state of burnout. It's that's the, yeah, you're sitting there going, why am I here? Like, this is just crap. I can't find any joy of really any of this anymore. You're, you're, you're either becoming oh, when, burned when out or burden, you are. When it's a burden to get up and go do what, especially when you used to love it. Mm-hmm. You know, but but the issue, as far as I'm concerned, I, I you know if you get burnout doing something repetitively or whatever, I get that whole thing. But my my issue was that we had this great institution of law enforcement in this country, and all of a sudden it kind of changed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the police went from being you know a positive, supported thing to instantaneously being you know sneered at and defunded and all that kind of stuff so so as far as that goes that's where i said what's the point of this yeah. you know what, what 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 is the point of this if we're going to be ridiculed and you know nobody's going to do anything that you ask you know then what's the point because you're just you're just waiting to be indicted is what it comes down to yeah no i can definitely i can definitely see that uh what how did it affect other areas of your life besides your policing work? Well, like, like I said before, I, I, I had some issues with uh, just the business itself and the way it was operated and the people who were running it. And I started coping with alcohol. So I, I, I'm assuming that's what we're talking about. Um, so, and I, and I, like I said, I've been on several podcasts and talked about it. I, I grew up in that culture of drinking and that's what we did. You know, I mean, my dad used to stand in the kitchen pouring himself a drink and saying, you know, if you ever bring drugs into this house, I'm going to take you out myself while he's making a drink, you know? So we just accepted that. That's just the way it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in that culture. And then as time went on, I guess that became my coping mechanism when things got rough. Yeah. I, I always kind of stopped myself short. I mean, believe me, I've studied this whole thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, alcoholism or addiction or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't think I'm an alcoholic because I don't, I don't, I never got to the point where I had to use alcohol to survive or to get through a day or whatever that way. I just coped with it. And, you know, I still occasionally have a drink or a beer or whatever, but I don't, I just, it, it, it kind of came and went and I almost outgrew it, I think, or something. Yeah. So uh, I always kind of, I hesitate to say, I, I don't, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but I did definitely, you know, abuse it and use it to cope with the issues that I had with work and the way things were going. Like I said, if, if you would have full time said, here, here's a list of bad guys, go, go arrest them and take them to jail nonstop. I, I would be fine. I, I, you know, <laughs> just let me go and do that. But it got, you know, the police world got so full of rules and ridiculousness that, yeah. And then, I, you know, while, while I was in the midst of that, I got over it, I guess. And I went back and did my thing in patrol. But, you know, you we went from, um, you, you know, you you break the law in front of us. We're going to do something about it to avoiding things like, uh, yeah. oh, I'm going to drink right by that because it, it's if I stop and I create a problem for myself, it's stupid. And, and that was encouraged by the administration, which was ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. You put your cops out there and you tell them to go hide. I mean, that's that's just not the way the world should work. So, like I said, I when I got my fill of that, I I was lucky enough to have enough time on to be able to support myself and my family and say I'm going to do something different now. So, well, you also had the wit, the wits to you to acknowledge to to recognize that. And I know Sean, we'll we'll, we'll come to you in a second because I know you had a big a big part in this <laughs> as well, uh, as our spouses always do. My wife, I honestly. I praise her because I put her through so much crap. Um, but she's still here with me. Uh, and she was the, you know, a lot of the, the catalyst for me leaving and me getting out and me doing what I do now. Uh, when you were, I, you know, where I was going with that is we, we, we have that, you know, the policing has changed and the world has changed and yeah, it's not what it, what, what it once was. Uh, and I guess, we can't get rid of the police and we probably aren't going backwards. Um, 
so I, I'll ask you after I want to let Sean, Sean kind of give her insight into that experience and that time as well. And then we'll come back then Jeff, I'll, I'll drop this on you now. So you can kind of have a think about it with the world, the way that it is now, where do we go from here? Like, what would you like to see within policing with the fact that we do have this kind of culture that's out there and the pendulum swung and it's kind of feels like it's kind of maybe coming back a little bit, but it's always going to swing kind of back and forth. It's never going to really settle in the middle. But how would you say from your experience and what you know, after leaving and running your guys' conferences moving forward? So before I let you answer that, Sean, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your experience through that, your experiences with burnout, if any, and kind of, you know, I know you left after Jeff did, but helping Jeff through all that, uh, I guess the stresses of all of it and just how you've dealt with it. And, and yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm going to go back a little bit because my dad uh, retired after 30 years, same department. So I grew up in and around law enforcement, um, which is what, really brought me into the profession, right? It was just a way of life. So I was hired in 97. And then in 2006, I became a member of our peer support team. So um, that was an eye opener. I started, you know, responding to all the critical incidents that our deputies were involved with and trying to help them and their families through that process. So that's kind of when I dove into wellness a little bit. Um, and then uh, fast forward to 2015, is when Jeff was kind of struggling and coping um, with alcohol. And it got to the point where he said, you know, he didn't, something needed to change. And uh, so I said, great, well, let's find you help, whatever that help is. Right. So uh, we, I searched for a confidential resource because I didn't want to um, go to the department and say, Hey, you know, my husband's coping with alcohol. Can you help us? Right. What was that going to look like? We weren't sure what that was going to look like. So we, especially in that time, because that's when I was going through my stuff was 2015 real hardcore. And it was not a hugely talked about subject of cops getting help. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of, um, it, yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't. And so we decided on plan B, which was to try to find a confidential resource, which was harder than we thought it was going to be. Um, but we did find uh, a resource for him. He got the help that he needed. But during that whole process, you know, I realized if we're both first responders and we don't know where to get help, there's got to be other people out there. So um, my peer support captain uh, knew what we had been through um, because it wasn't like we were telling the world, but it wasn't really like we were keeping it quiet. Jeff was pretty honest about it. He was like, Hey, I was, you know, had, had some things that I needed to work through and I, you know, took care of it and now I'm back. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't, he was pretty honest. Like he said before, he's an honest person and, and, uh, um, you know, said, this is what it was and I took care of it and here I am. Right. So my peer support captain knew that we had been through that. Um, and he suggested that we, uh, put on a mental health and wellness conference for first responders. And I thought, oh, well, sure. How hard is the conference? Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. it was a little bit more difficult than I had thought it would be, but, uh, it, we put together this conference, we had around 150 people attend. And, um, after the conference, there were like at least five people that reached out for help. And that was just substance abuse alone that I knew of. So that was a ding, ding, ding for me, right? Like, wow, there's a lot of first responders suffering in silence. And I knew that my department at the time really didn't have any wellness programs. We had peer support, but the peer support was more reactive than proactive, um, you know, because we would respond to things and, you know, one-on-ones and things like that. So, I mean, it was a little proactive, but no proactive wellness programs. So, um, that anybody was using, right. We had EAP and things like that, but, but nobody um, goes, nobody goes to them or ha half the people don't right. even know about them either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so then I started talking to other first responders throughout the country and they said, Hey, we're in the same boat. You know, um, we would like to like try to have a conference here. And so I just try to work 
with the local boots on the ground. Jeff hates when I say that word, but I don't know what else to say. Um, Worked with the local boots on the ground folks to make that happen, um, to make a conference happen. And every time we had a conference, uh, people were saying, hey, this is beneficial. Um, I've had people call me and tell me that it saved their life. And so I just try to move forward with those people that were requesting to have a conference um, because I knew that we were making a difference by providing education, breaking the stigma, letting people know they're not alone, um, providing mental health and wellness tools and resources to get these people through these difficult professions. So um, one conference turned into, I think we've had 34 conferences now. Wow. Um, and we just keep on getting requested to have these conferences and it's great. We meet so many fantastic uh, first responders throughout the country and um, so many great resources out there for first responders. So, you know, the, there shouldn't be an excuse anymore because there are a lot of resources. Um, it's just that, you know, at the conferences, we put together a program and we have a resource list and we try to to let people know that, you know, you don't have to be in the situation that we were, that here are all the resources, you know, um, search them up, find the one that works for you and call somebody. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And that's why, again, why I run this podcast because every different things from different people. Sean, before we jump back to Jeff, what would you say the biggest thing that helped him was back when he was in the, in the depths of it? Um, well, from your I perspective mean, from the outside, <laughs> uh, Jeff likes to call it a, a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I think that, uh, I mean, Jeff went to a inpatient treatment, uh, for 30 days and it kind of gave him some clarity. And, um, so I think that that was helpful for him, um, just to leave what, you know, what he was doing, um, have a break, you know, and just kind of learn more about himself. And how did you deal with it all? Um, you know, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I probably, probably didn't deal with it as good as I would, you know, had would think or hope or whatever. I mean, I, you know, I think what kept me busy, um, during that whole time is our kids were younger and, you know, it was just nonstop. And so it was just something that I, I don't really think I dealt with. I just dealt with life and, you know, taking care of all of those things. And, um, I think my, uh, self-care and stuff came later. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's so interesting you say that because I think about my wife when I did when I was going through my stuff. I took three months, came back to the U.S. and motorcycle trip. That's why I'm running this other one, this one in May, for people. And she did the same thing, dove into work, dove into. She had a she took on another bodybuilding comp. She and just and she even says it now. She's like, I just kept myself busy. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one. If what do you say currently? I'm take it you possibly do or what would you say to somebody that's the spouse of somebody going like they're in a relationship and they're going through similar things that you guys did what would you say to the the spouse well i'm i'm i mean self-care is huge right i think that you really need to take care of yourself obviously if you're not taking care of yourself you can't take care of others and so um i would just say that i would you know try to take care of yourself. And I mean, Jeff was going to do what Jeff was going to do. You know, you can't force somebody to do something that they're not willing to do. Right. And, um, you know, I I knew that Jeff was struggling a little bit, but, um, Jeff had to make that decision for himself. Right. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, to take care of yourself really is what I would suggest. And, and hopefully everything falls <laughs> into place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Did you see the writing on the wall before Jeff did? Did you see everything? Uh, well, I, mean, I, I knew that he was, you know, obviously I'm, I'm here. I, I saw him drink more than he probably should be drinking. Um, 
you know, I felt like he needed help, but again, uh, you can't make yeah. somebody, you know, you can lead, lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Is that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw a little asterisk, asterisk into this. I was going to, I was going to ask you, uh, you about this, Jeff. So I'm glad you jumped in there. Well, it, it, the, the outcome is going to be different for everybody. Uh, so it's hard to like, say, this is how you do it, you know? And cause because as, as far as like Sean being the person putting up with this or whatever, there's all kinds of outcomes that could have been. It could have been divorce and see you later and I'm not going to do this or whatever. So I was lucky enough to have support. Yeah. And everybody that goes through this stuff may, may not have the support that they need. But so so the self-care part of it, I guess, is has got to be important. You know, you got, unfortunately, you you know, it's just like police work. How are you going to care for anybody else if you're not taking care of yourself? You know, that it kind of comes down to. I feel like police are kind of the worst at that in some ways. And that was probably <laughs> part of my problem, too, is like you just you're full on engaged in trying to do the right thing and do it full time. And and depending on where you're at in your career, you know, I work for people who are like, my kids are gone, so I have nothing to do. So let's just do this all the time, 24 hours a day. And which which didn't bother me. But then when you get a family going, things change and dynamics change. So so it's it's not a Sean likes to say it's not a catch-all one you know, size fits all thing. No, it definitely isn't. And uh I would want to make sure that everybody that's listening knows that as well. It is not like your guys is what you guys did is not necessarily gonna help the next person, but it could help somebody. And sure. so you know, I've got I've interviewed over 100 different people on the podcast uh, around this and a lot of stuff is similar, but then there's stuff, a lot of stuff that's different. And it's all about take and try these different things because it could one of them could work for you in a bunch of different resources. Um, yeah. One, one of the other thing I was going to add is that the frustration we were talking before about, uh, you know, stigma and and we're lucky in that respect because we live in the liberal Pacific Northwest. And, and uh, so if you don't, if you don't help somebody that comes forward and says, Hey, I got an issue, I got to take care of it, then, you know, I'm going to own the place. Right. So, so but that is different than other parts of the America. Right. I mean, in the South it's different or in the right to work States it's different. So the frustration that I feel when we're trying to help people and try to say, well, this is what we did. You know, some people are going to go, that's not going to work here because if I do this, I'm going to get fired or whatever. So that's that's the frustration on my part is having somebody say I, I'm in the same boat, but I can't do the same thing because, you know, it might mean my job. And, yeah. and a lot of people that don't go to get help because they can't afford not to work this week or whatever, you know. So in that respect, we were lucky. You know, our department, I, if, if I say anything bad about our department, the good part about it is the benefits were good. And we, you know, of course we negotiated for them. So it's, you know, it's something we did ourselves, but, but uh, it, it's, it's different all over the place. And so the frustration I see when we're doing these things is like, you can just see it. The South really isn't that interested in having conferences. I don't think because they just don't really want to deal with that stuff, you know? I found the same thing talking with chiefs of police and different stuff. The more Republican, the more conservative side of those stations aren't as open. Some are, but not they're not as open to the conversations of police mental wellness. What would be... I want to I want to ask this first, Jeff, and I do I will get back to what you around the leadership side of stuff for both of you. Uh, but I want to ask this question because I know I've been asked it before. And I can pinpoint my time, but can you pinpoint when you were like, there's something not quite right here, then I need to work on it? Well, like Sean said, there was times when I I said, I need to make some changes here. And it was mostly because, uh, you know, I, I was coping and using drinking too much alcohol because I was irritated with what was going on at work. Did you so recognize that? I, I did, but I didn't necessarily have a, a date to give you, you yep. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just over time, a couple of times I told Sean, I go, yeah, I'm going to have to, I, I need to make some changes here. And then, then I, you know, go back to work for two months and forget about it. And then, then it would come up again. So when, when it finally happened, I think it was a Saturday, if I remember right. I just said, I got up in the morning. I said, today's the day. So it was just one of those deals. And we had a phone number to call from somebody that we thought could show us the right direction and luckily it did 
So, um, like I said, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that probably could use exactly the same thing that I went through, but just can't get there. So that's the frustrating part for me. Um, you know, my, 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 uh, work, you know, the place I worked for never really gave me any issues over it. And I'm, my, my personality is different from other people's, but you know, in in law enforcement, people are pretty strong willed and they don't really want to air their dirty laundry and they don't want people to know what's going on. And me, I could care less. So I just, I just, I just happened to be that way. I mean, it wasn't like I was bragging about it, but I'm just like, this, this is what's going on. And I don't, you know, if you want to fire me, fire me. I don't care. You know, or, or we're, I was we're very similar in that way, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people though, that grew up being, I want to be in first responder and by God, if I can't be, it's, it's the end of my world. And I, I just, I'm not like that, you know, no. it's not real easy to tell people, Hey, don't, don't, you know, if this doesn't work out, go do something else. I mean, this doesn't, some people just don't function that way. And no. to me, I, I'm like, I don't care. So here's, you know? here's a question for you then, because obviously you have, I, it sounds like you've had a lot of thought about this uh, because you know, that whole, you know, there's certain areas of the country, the world, uh, different people, different dynamics around whether they will go seek help an external kind of help. And that's one reason for the podcast is so that we so that people don't necessarily always have to search out for that they can do stuff and work on things themselves by listening to the podcast and by listening to different people's experiences tools they've used. So I want to I want this from both like from each one of you, Jeff, we'll get you to go first, what would you if you were going to give somebody advice of something that they can do themselves, maybe one to three things, however many you want to give that they could actually start to implement themselves that you learned. Obviously this is your learning, your experience and and what worked for you. So it might not work for them, but it could. Um, and I've found a lot of the things if you, if you implement them, it will. Uh, what are the one to three things that you feel helped you the most that they could do themselves that they could implement to start doing today that nobody else has to know that they're doing it. Well, I, I don't think I'm going to have any new discoveries here. I mean, exercise is great. Of course, obviously you need to keep self-care or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, and family time is very, very significant, meaning time away from whatever it is that's bothering you. I think it's like, you know, so work, split your work and your home life stuff up. It's hard for police to do that, right? You bring all that stuff home or first responders in general, I guess. Mm. Um, I don't really have anything specific other than, you know, like, like Sean said, for me, it was a a change of scenery for a little while, just to kind of recondition myself and kind of relearn, you know, be introduced to some new coping mechanisms and, and, you know, just do some different things and change out of what I, I was doing. I, I think, you know, it's silly to say that if you're, if not happy what you're doing, especially in work, you know, change, you got to change it. It's hard to do. People they are like, no, I'm, this is, this is what I know. I was, I was in the same boat. I, you know, but you're firmly entrenched in there. You don't want to pull out. If you do, you know, you got to start all over again. It's a hard thing, you know, but if it, if it means the breakdown of your mental health, I guess, I wish somebody could convince you to do that, you know? I think that break thing is a massive thing. I know it worked for me and it works for a lot of people taking an intentional break. Like it's not just taking a break and sitting on the couch and drinking more alcohol and dwelling Mm -hmm. on your crap. It's okay. Let's take an intentional break and let's go do something. I know you went and got, you know, went and got some, some help. I came and did, I did a motorcycle trip to help myself and do stuff and force myself to talk and interact with people and meet people and get uncomfortable. And so, yeah, Sean, what would you say to somebody i know you guys have done a lot of conferences what was it 34 so you've heard a lot of different tools and speakers and you saw jeff go through his stuff what would you say and you've gone through your own stuff i know you have uh what would you say to those first responders that don't want to put their hand up or don't want to go externally to get help or talk to their department or feel like they can't what would you say to them for that one to maybe three things that um they could do themselves that nobody else needs to know about Yeah. um, Well, just like Jeff had said, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Right. And so one of the things that we're really trying to um, make people aware of at the conference is different tools. 
Mm. Uh, a lot of people are like, you know, Jeff said, okay, well, everybody knows you have to eat right and you have to exercise and you have to, you know, but what about different things like, um, trying different things like for instance, float pods, right? I never even knew what a float pod was. And then somebody was like, oh, it's so beneficial. It's so cool. And I'm like, oh, okay. And you know that, but that worked for them, right? Some people do meditation. Some people, you know, do yoga. Some people um, walk their dog. I mean, it looks different for everybody, but I would say that I would look at different tools and find what works for you, knowing that it might work for you right now and you might have to change things up. You know, um, Jeff and I have been to a lot of therapy, right? And there was a time in our lives where we needed like marriage therapy. We needed our own therapy, um, but we haven't been to a therapist for a long time and maybe we need to, who knows. But, um, but you know, there was a time where we really needed it. Right. Yep. And so we did that for a while and we got to the point where we didn't need it. So then, then what are we doing? You know, it's, uh, it's, it sounds silly. Like, I mean, it, you know, every day I, I feel better if I get on the treadmill. Right. And that's just, I mean, it's, it's a treadmill it's, you know, and, it, but it's just one of, and, and, and the thing is like, I'll watch like a Netflix or whatever. And I focus on that and I'm, you know, it's my escape from the world, right? I don't watch the news. I don't, I'm just like watching some dumb show and, and that works for me. Right. And and it's one of those things that it throws me off balance if I can't do that every day, but then, you know, I, that's just the way it goes. But so yeah, really trying to find the, the tools that work for you and knowing that there's other things out there and that like yourself, like it was uncomfortable to do this motorcycle thing, but I did it. And I really like it now, you know? Um, So I guess exploring those things um, would be my biggest um, advice for people. So the the trying new, the trying new things and figuring out what works and not expecting that you have to do that one thing forever. Uh, I know like I've gotten well into that as well. I'm just going to drop the thing out there on that thing of those uncomfortable, weird things. My wife came to me and we've both gotten into this development stuff since I left the police and we, we do a lot of it. And she comes to me a couple months ago and she goes, would you do a sound bath with me? And I'm like, what the hell is a sound bath? And I knew she had done one before. And I was like, yeah, why not? I'm open to trying new things. Let's see what happens. And she's like, okay, cool. And so she booked it and we drive out and it's out in the, out in the country and it's this place and we get there. And I'm like, I, I recognized on the drive out there, I was like, the old me would have been like, what is this foo-foo crap that you're talking about that somebody plays <laughs> music and you meditate? Like, no freaking way. But I was like, no, I'm here to try new things. And again, grow because you might find something new that works. Went and did it. And oh my God, it was the most exceptional experience that I've ever had and had some massive epiphanies. Like I'm coming back to the US in March, as Sean, I know you and I have talked about, to, to, to talk to departments about mental wellness and that. And I've been trying it from here hitting hurdles from being around the other side of the world. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Chris, you need to go back to the States for a time period. And so I was like, but then, and it also unlocked, like, you just need to slow down sometimes, Chris, just slow down and relax. And I was like, but you, uh, you get these new things and I haven't done another one since, but I do plan on doing one, but it's these, again, just trying new things and you never know what, what's going to, what's going to work for you. So I love that. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Jeff and I, we just, we went on a cruise. Right. And I, I looked at Jeff and I said, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're so busy and we're doing so much. I'm just like, now what, now what do we do? Like, I mean, it's, you know, and, and then we didn't, um, buy the internet. Right. So we didn't have our phones to look at. And it was just, I mean, it was good for us, but it was hard. It mm. really was hard just to like, try to relax and, you know, and I'm, I'm, Jeff's probably better at than I am. Cause I'm like, well, we're here. We got to do something, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it was good. It was good to take that break, even though we struggle or I struggled with it a little bit, you know, I, I think the greatest thing here is, and Jeff, I'd love to know your input on this as well. The greatest thing with that kind of thing. And I, I believe that relates into police so much like, 
entrepreneurs, we can actually be really bad at not segregating work away from our own personal, like our self-care and our, and our relationships and our family, because we get even more passionate about it than I think even as a cop, we get passionate about being a police officer, but police officers struggle with the same thing to disconnect. It's like, you're off duty and it's like, oh, that person's on their phone. Oh, that person's not wearing their seatbelts. Oh, that person looks like they're up to no good. That And you just, you never, even, and you're off duty. It's like, no, you're not on shift. You don't need to be focused on this. You know, the whole sit with your back to the wall and your face to the door. It's like, you're still not switching off. Yes, be aware, but you're still not switching off. And so it's that same thing. Um, it's so it important. In retirement too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it does. Like I'm, I'm fine I'm five years out now and I still find myself sometimes doing it. Yes. I'm talking to cops. And so I'm still aware of that policing thing, but I'm still find myself going, Oh, that person's speeding or that person's, you know, look, Oh, what is that? What's that person up to? They kind of look a little bit dodgy, but it's okay to have it. But if you're aware of it, then it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. That's happening. Do I really want to be focusing on this right now? Or, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Something in my, lizard brain is telling me something okay okay i have a look take the description if something happens and i kind of have the description in my head <laughs> um and then let it go but uh yeah do you guys believe as police did you ever take breaks like the crews from policing and actually like let your mind just like calm down well do we ever take breaks i mean i, I, I actually think... force your mind to calm down and like not think about the police stuff not as well as we do now, yeah. I, I, honestly. You know, I mean, we go on vacation. You know, we always went on vacation, took the kids someplace or whatever. You know, but yeah, you're you're right. If you had a phone, you were on it. You know, when I was in warrants, the phone would ring all night long. I I, I I'd never be not on the phone when I wasn't at work because we always had feelers out to arrest people. You know, and information was coming in, and it was just nonstop, and you couldn't stop it unless you wanted to. You know, and Back, back then we were eating it up, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's tough to, I think now that we're not really working every day with that burden, it's, it's easier to check out, I guess you call it or whatever, you know, move your mind to a place where it's healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah I want to jump into the, what you guys believe could be done better when it comes to the kind of leadership. And I know they have their own, I want I, for those leadership that are watching and listening, I don't want them to say, think that we're, it's just tools that they can possibly pick up from an outside perspective. What would you guys be like? What would you guys be saying with, obviously there's the political side of stuff that we have no control over. We can't change any of that. There's a, there's a direction that everybody's trying to take at the moment. The pendulum's that way. What would you guys say to, or like, you know, like to see, or in an ideal world, have happen for our law enforcement from leadership type side of stuff? Because I know I've talked to a lot of leaders, and they're in the same freaking boat that the troops are in. They're like, we're getting pushed to do this, and we kind of have to. We don't like it necessarily. So, what would you guys say around that? Hmm. That's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's uh, being a being a leader of an organization is tough. You know, I mean, who wants to be the president? Right. But, um, you know, and I, I, I can sympathize with that as far as but it's still tough to take as a, you know, a worker bee or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't I don't know if anything can be done, especially in. in in a pseudo military situation where that we're supposed, you know, we're supposed to be in this. I always love that. When I first started, you know, we had roll call every day inspection, blah, 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 you know, and a chain of command that we, we, we don't have a chain of command anymore. So I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, open door policy sounds terrific, but sometimes it, it prolongs things from getting done. Right. And so I don't know what the answer is as far as that goes. I, I think, you know, we talk about stigma and we talk about, and we're talking about mental health or health or, or, or burnout or whatever you want to call it. But, but I, I think, I think the command staff is getting better and better at it. But, and like I said, all we can talk about is, is what our perspective here in the lovely Northwest where, you know, people can do whatever they want to do. And, and our biggest problem is, is that nobody's a good citizen anymore. So what, you know, we're, I'm, 
you know, it, it, it's almost silly to talk about the law enforcement side of it because we watch every night, you know, people do something and then don't stop for the police and it creates all kinds of havoc and the media whips it up. And it's just a, you know, here we are back into, I can't get away from this and I need to check out my mind because I can't stand it anymore, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I think you're right on the pendulum thing that it swung way to, to stupidness as far as I'm concerned, you know? And like I said, if you're talking about conservative Republican down South, well, you're, I'm a re- conservative Republican right here in this liberal, horrible Northwest. And the, the pendulum has to swing back the other way in order to, to you know, our system of governing and, and law enforcement it went away kind of, you know, and so, yeah. and everybody stands around and asks, how come crime is horrible? And how can, you know, well, if it's not obvious, have law enforcement, if there is no law and order, then there's chaos. So it's very, very frustrating. And I don't know what the command staff is going to do to be, to address it better. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think they're getting a little bit more in tune with first responders, mental health and wellness and making sure, you know, it's, 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 it's all about the dollar bill too. You know, you're, you have a healthy staff, it costs you less money. I mean, there's all kinds of stipulations that go along with it. So, uh, you know, but like I said, it's, it's, it's uh, frustrating on our part because in other parts of the United States, we can't control that. Whereas up here, that aspect of law enforcement is a little bit better because we're liberal and we want everybody to be happy and, all that kind of crap. It's good only- when the pendulum swings hard like it has right now. There's great things. It's great things that come out of it. Just like when the pendulum swings the other way, and it's all like literally paramilitary, like rule, 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 rule. Like you do not like this is the pathway, and you do not come off of it. There's also good things that come out of it, and it's yeah, it's 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 grabbing that thing. So no, that's that. Yeah, it. You know, you're you're right, uh, Sean. What what do you what's what's your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, I think you know, obviously. Uh, leadership's hands are tied a lot, right? Um, you know, they can only do so much. But I think that, like Jeff said, you really have to pay attention to your employees and wellness should be a priority. Mm. Um, instead of patting you on the bo- back and say, oh, we care about you. Do you really? Because um, we don't do a very good job of taking care of our own. Um, and I think the communication is lacking. Mm -hmm. And I think that if they were to be open and honest about things, instead of keeping everybody in the dark and then just, you know, doing these last minute shifts of whatever they're going to do, like, Oh, okay. Now we're doing this. Like, you know, and everybody's like, what? Like, how does that make sense? And and not explaining it, not communicating with people. Um, I just, I, I think that, you know, I, I know that like manpower is short, right? There's all these shortages everywhere. And I know you can only do so much, um, but we really do need to take care of our people. Uh, and if maybe they're working patrol and we can see that they're taking more time off and they're burned out or whatever, like, can we put them in? you know, do something else for a week or, you know, I mean, just simple little things like that. And quite honestly, I, I think that, uh, each department agency or organization should have a wellness coordinator or person. Right. Um, because I think that they have all their leadership has all other things that are going on and they aren't really in tune with boots on the ground folks like, you know, um, so, communicating with maybe that person and, and trying to make sure that there's wellness programs and, and different things for different people, um, is important. And I think that is going to be, you know, helpful to a point, right? I mean, you're not going to fix everything, but I think I I just, you know, I, I I think that leadership is like, oh, well, you know, we're up here and we're going to make all these decisions and we know we're talking about, and we don't care what you talk about, or, I mean, you have a lot of knowledge, but we don't care. We're just going to do whatever and not communicate it. I mean, I, it's just not helping. Mm. No, I I like how you touched on that. You hit on that, that, that key thing, communication, uh, the departments and the chiefs and stuff that I've interviewed that have really good stations and then talk to some of the cops that have worked in them. If they're communicating what's going on, like, yeah, like I've talked to some chiefs and they're like, 
my hands are tied, but I sit there and I send an email out saying that what I'm, what I'm doing and why I'm having to do it and how my hands are tied as well, but that we still have to do it. And this is how we can kind of use it to our benefit. And it's like, oh, well, that's kind of actually quite clever. Let the troops know what's going on that, yes, you don't want to politically, you need to. Uh, and this is how we can actually get the best of both worlds of it. Uh, I think, yeah, that communication thing is, is amazing. That kind of leads us into the next thing of first responder conference. Uh, which we've talked about a little bit already. Uh, Sean, you, you've told us about how it helps in that. But obviously, it's giving officers tools. Tell us more about that and I guess where your vision is for it. I'd love to know that. Yeah, well, so it's for all first responders. I just want to make that clear. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, my background is uh, in law enforcement, but um, you know, I never wanted to segregate against professions because at the end of the day, stress is stress and trauma is trauma. We all have it. So we include all first responders, uh, police, fire, EMS, corrections, dispatch. Dispatches um, are very, they, they sometimes get lost, don't they? <laughs> They do for sure. So, I mean, um, it's really open to anyone. Um, we mainly talk about, you know, the first responder professions, um, or public safety, and it's a two day conference. Uh, we have, uh, it's all in one big room. So everybody sits through all of the presentations. There's no breakout. We have eight to 10 speakers at each conference, which is different speakers. Um, some are the same, but every conference is different because we pull from local speakers. Um, and then we just talk about different topics like finances, uh, post-traumatic stress. Uh, we have some clinical sides like therapist. We have first responders telling their own personal story with her post-traumatic post growth. And then the tools that help them um, to get people to think outside the box and try something new like yoga or meditation or things like that, that I was explaining before. Um, everybody sits at rounds. So we have breakfast together. We have lunch together. We have a social network on the first day. I really want to make sure that the networking um, from different agencies and departments is happening because different departments, you know, some are big, some are small. Want to make sure that those people are talking to each other. Fire is talking to police. Police is talking to corrections, you know, whatever to see what they're doing to, to see if it would, would be helpful in their departments. Um, and then we have resource partners at the conferences that sit on the outer perimeter of the, the conference room, um, that provides some type of resource for our first responders. We really want to make sure that we bring in local and national resources. So the first responders are aware of what is available to them now or in the future mm. and i think that's it i think uh that's 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 all about the conferences um we have nine conferences planned this year uh, we take off june july and august and i say we take off but we're still working at it but um we have conferences all across the country and um yeah that's cool. that's <laughs> pretty much jeff, it jeff what's what's your what's your insights on the on the conferences well i'm kind of in a support role i guess um i have this really cool uh title after my name i don't really know why um but i do whatever sean wants me to do and <laughs> sometimes it's enforcer and sometimes it's uh sit there and do nothing or carry boxes or do this or do that yeah um we still have a home life and we still have kids in school and whatnot so i don't get to go to every conference conference but um we have a really really terrific volunteer staff who is very supportive and it's basically because of them that why this thing works uh because it's a lot of work yeah. sean works sean works 24 hours a day pretty much i i'm kind of single most of the time because <laughs> she she's either on the phone on the computer um arranging something straightening something out that's screwed up um it's a non-stop deal it's it's way way more than i thought it was going to be truthfully but i don't have any problem with it at all so she's done a terrific job and what's funny is you know you you're, my phone doesn't ring or my nothing goes on and then i have one we, we have a zoom call with you and everything goes off 
Why, well, I don't know how, why that works. You I don't even bother like turning off my stuff because nobody ever calls me, you know? <laughs> oh, no, that's, that, that's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I know exactly how it is. It's like, yeah, I remember. Yeah, there's, but uh, my wife's an event manager. So I know exactly what you guys are talking about with it. Like I watch her and I'm just like, wow. And like with the motorcycle retreat that I'm running and that she's helping all the back end is I'm like, yeah, this would be crap if she wasn't here. So I can definitely relate to that. So, uh, and appreciate it on both sides. Uh, if somebody is interested in the first responder conference, they want to attend, maybe they want to look at being a guest speaker, maybe they want to be a sponsor, uh, or maybe they just want to get in touch with you guys and just get to know more about you. How's, how's the best way? And we'll put the links and stuff down below. Um, so they can go to first. So it's one ST responder conferences, which is plural.org. Um, that's our website. We have all the information on there. There's emails to contact. There's phone numbers. Um, so basically, the web the website at firstrespondersconferences.org is probably the easiest way. Perfect. Awesome. And the last thing that I like to ask, and I want both of you guys to answer it separately. You guys decide who goes first. Just no cat fights, please. Um, <laughs> is what would you say your top tip to self happiness is? at least the hard questions <laughs> hard one for the last top tip for self-happiness yeah i guess mine would be just uh making sure that uh taking care of myself again um so i am able to take care of my family spending time with my family i mean really i you know, when you're working, you're so busy and you're thinking, oh, this job's everything. And when you retire um, or when you slow down, you realize that your family is everything, right? At the end of the day, Jeff is here. My kids are here for me. Um, so I guess taking care of myself to take care of my family and making sure my family's taking care of themselves, <laughs> it would be my my top tip for for happiness. Love it, Jeff. You can't use the same thing. I, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to use. I'll just use different words. Um, <laughs> uh, like contentment, maybe contentment. You need to find contentment, and and I can't envision myself at you know I'm 58 years old, and if I look back when I was 35 and going forward as with my hair on fire as fast as I could. I, I probably couldn't envision today and, and vice versa. I can barely remember doing that, but I know there's a drastic difference there. So wherever you are in your life, you need to ma manipulate your life to form contentment. And that, and, and I know that's easier said than done, but you just have to find those things that kind of center you and try to, you know, and, and try, it's, it's a juggling act. And sometimes you're not going to be there and sometimes you're going to be there really well, and it's just, it's, but it's hard to like, when you're in the middle of life doing a thousand miles an hour, it's hard to remember that and say, Oh, Hey, I need to look for contentment, you know? So I, it's just, it's, you just once in a while you throw it out there and hopefully somebody will grasp onto it and say, yeah, you know, that's right. I need to slow down or speed up or do whatever I need to do to make myself happy. And I guess that's about the best I can offer. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, I love both responses. Uh, anything, any last words from either one of you, uh, before we wrap up. I don't think so. I just uh, thank you for all that you do and for supporting um, first responders. I, I appreciate it. I, the last podcast uh, Jeff and I were on, uh, wasn't too long after that. Somebody contacted me and, and asked for help. So I know that by you doing podcasts are making a difference. I know by us doing these conferences are making a difference. Um, so yeah, we just want to support whomever we can, however we can. Appreciate that. Yeah. And thank you guys for what you're doing with the conferences and that getting knowledge out there is, is key and getting people to actually take action on it is, is the second thing as well. Jeff, any last words? No, thank you for having us. And, um, like I said, if you're out there listening and you have an issue, by all means, try to get some help. 
No, I love that. Uh, well, this is Fight the Burnout. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. Make sure you like and subscribe. And most importantly, share with somebody else. Just share this podcast out just with one person uh, at, at minimum uh, so that it can get out to even more. Uh, and you never know who it's going to hit. Uh, the last thing that I will say is just take one thing from this. Everybody tries to take so many different things from podcasts and from there's so much information in this world of Google University that everybody tries to overload themselves with information. Just take one thing and start putting it in place. Uh, and once that thing's in place, then come back and get another one. Uh, and if it didn't work, cool, come back, get a different one and go run with it. Uh, but till next time, thank you very much. My motto is train hard, test easy. Uh, we're always going to get tested, so we may as well be ready for them. Uh, till next time, thank you, love you all, and stay safe.